0: Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan. I'm my co-host as always, Mr. Patrick Farrell. How are you, Patty?
1: I am absolutely fantastic. Back home in the mighty Dublin, the best place in Ireland, just saying. Um, so I'm happy. How are you? Doing? Wonderful.
0: It's the last podcast of the year. Very exciting. It will be published on the 26th. So you've all had a lovely Christmas by now. I hope. Hope you're all feeling light and fit you don't have any sore bellies or sore heads this morning after christmas day and you're ready to continue getting after it as people always are during this week there's never any overeating over drinking or laziness not here anyway so
1: sloth and gluttony on the lord's birthday
0: we hate to see it but anyway we uh, are going to talk a little bit about that subject today because it is the last podcast of the year and what we'd like to do is wrap up the year by talking about some events in our own lives, giving a summary as to you know how our year was. You know You've been listening to us for the entire year, so you'll hear a bit about how things have gone for us. But more importantly, how that then informs 2023 in terms of maybe some of the goals that we're thinking about, but specifically how we would recommend that you and also how we recommend that our clients begin to set goals for the new year with the greatest chance of success and how to follow through on them so with that said first and foremost patty can you tell me a little bit about the overarching theme of your 2022 in terms of you know training what were you aiming at did that change had you any injuries how was the year as a whole
1: um well last year as most people are aware i moved over to london Mm -hmm. this year feel like i'm only really just getting settled so we've been there obviously over a year by now Um, so that's uh you could say you could say it's still kind of a major event in my life but further to that i've basically just been enjoying living in london i've just been going to museums galleries that is the thing about london now obviously look it was the center of the world the british empire uh for you know quite a while so you would imagine there's lots to do <laughs> and there is right um so that's kind of been the main thing that i've been doing this year going to lots of museums going to lots of galleries going to lots of different like historical things because like i like all that stuff um so i've just been in- enjoying that it's a lot different than ireland and dublin in particular where it's not really a whole lot to do you know like there is and there definitely is like historic sites and different things but realistically in dublin at least you could probably do all that stuff in a week you know whereas in london again naturally enough uh there's a lot more so that's kind of been the the, the theme of, of my year just exploring london just finding out different things going seeing these different things but further to that especially related to my training and stuff i went on a, a hike the via Alpina one in switzerland so I, I hiked that. I didn't do the whole thing. Um, it takes a little bit longer than I had to do a lot to it. And that was quite good because I like hiking. I've been on lots of different like hikes and you know gone camping and different things like that. But I've actually never or I had never hiked in the Alps. And obviously the Alps are the the mountain range in Europe. So that was quite good. I did that with, with one of my friends who had never really been... On a multi-day hike, and he'd never really camped before, especially not for like multiple nights in a row. So that was quite fun. And you've been to Switzerland. You've been to Switzerland with me, actually. <laughs> uh, Switzerland is quite nice. And um, mm. so that was that was yeah really enjoyable. Lots of mountains. You know, both of us are mountain enjoyers. And um, so that was that was very that was definitely a highlight of the year um like I still often look at the photos of it just being like that was yeah I remember that that was fucking class like right um other than that I also hiked the Hadrian's Wall which was actually the 900 year anniversary of Hadrian's Wall being constructed so Hadrian's Wall was the edge you could say of the the Roman Empire in Britain at least uh built by Emperor Hadrian not personally but under his watch um so I hiked that with uh, Michael Delaney, uh, who many people might know as MJ Delaney, you know, uh, Shred Bundy's brother. Um, that's what he's known as. That he's, you know, he's a loser in and of himself. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I h- hiked that with him again. We camped along the way. That was that was really enjoyable as well. We got phenomenal weather for it, so definitely got got a bit of a tan with that. Um, and then we, I also went on another trip with Michael and Alan Flanagan, uh, we went to Bath, went exploring around there we also went to uh, Stonehenge, Cheddar Gorge and Oxford and all of that was, well, Alan didn't join us for Cheddar Gorge in Oxford because he had work to do I hate that um, but yeah uh, we, we, we did that, that was quite enjoyable, I did also go on a few other trips with my girlfriend. I uh, don't need to necessarily get into those. Um, and that's basically been my year. And the reason I said related to training uh, is because a lot of my training earlier in the year, especially, have been re- really focused on ensuring that my aerobic fitness was in a phenomenal place because I was going on two hikes, naturally enough. You know, it's the aerobic system that looks after that stuff, right? Um so a lot of my training had been geared towards that. I am also doing this thing, which I'm calling the uh, project 35 or, you know, basically I want to be, I'm, I'm 31 in January. So in a, a couple of weeks time, I'm 31 and by 35, I want to be able to look back on my lifting career, my, you know, physique career, whatever fuck you want to call all this stuff, this health and fitness stuff. And I want to be able to go at 35 being okay, you know, I, I've really built as much muscle as is humanly possible for me right now realistically you're never never going to get (laughs) towards your absolute peak you know um but especially stuff with muscle and strength like you kind of hit your peak in your 30s even into your 40s so i want to make sure that i'm uh maximizing that so i've been slowly gaining for the last year currently and you and i were talking about this gary about when to do a little mini cut because i have a few hikes planned for the next year and i actually think i'm just going to do one in january i'm just going to do 4 weeks cuz i'm not excessively fat i've gained some fat which is completely natural completely normal when you're trying to gain in fact i would say it's it's almost optimal to gain some fat because you get a little bit of you know slightly better leverages for certain lifts which allow you to lift more allow you to put more tension on the muscles etc right we all know hopefully all our listeners are well, well aware of how uh, the muscle gain journey goes um so I've been doing that, still in the 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 phase of gaining, still trying to get strong as fuck. And that's something that I think a lot of people, first of all, don't commit to. And I, I think you would definitely agree with that, Gary, where people just go, oh, I'll do like two two months of gaining and that's it. Like, realistically, you should be gaining for fucking two years, five years. <laughs> and that's how you should be thinking about it with no one really wants to do that, you know. um, But it's definitely been interesting to try to gain weight try to get stronger build more muscle while also maintaining and gaining aerobic uh, fitness as well because very often you hear in the fit, health and fitness world all oh, those two things are completely antagonistic to each other you can't do both things at the same time um and like it's it's just not true like yeah it does take a little bit more planning it definitely does take a little bit more smart programming um but there's no reason that it can't be done now are you going to be the best marathon runner or are you going to be the best powerlifter or bodybuilder Yeah you know, probably not you know but you have to pick your goal you know like what do you actually want to do and having said that like i i'm pretty fucking strong <laughs> you know uh, i'm pretty fit so it's not like oh you're going to be 50 percent of both of those things you know you're probably maybe going to get up to 90% of where you could be with both of those things, you know? Um, so that's been a, a big thing and that's a big thing for me next year as well. Cause I have a few other hikes planned, a few other things that I, I want to to do. And finally on the training front, my jujitsu has been going you know, pretty fucking phenomenally well. I, uh, have four stripes on my blue belt. So hopefully that purple belt is coming up soon. um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to to add.
0: Very nice. Um, sounds like you had a good year. I think in particular, it's interesting to hear how life in London is very much different. Sounds like something I would enjoy as well. Um, as along with the hiking, of course. But for me, I think my year was probably a little bit more weird and less planned in the sense that I obviously had the injury so that was probably start us before the injury because that that happened before yeah that was in that was right in the middle of the year pretty much so that was six months into the year the first six months were actually really good for training so like yourself I had been kind of gaining for a pretty long period of time where I I wasn't aiming for like a weekly rate of weight gain or anything I was just actually we should probably go back to 2021 with you because you had depression
1: (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) And during your depression you basically just lost weight because you were disinterested yeah. in well life uh but eating in, in general so you would lost weight now you, you if from an outside this is something that probably a lot of people should be more aware of from the outside looking in like you look great you were like oh i'm fucking shredded you know i'm still relatively muscular like you definitely lost some muscle you looked a bit skinnier you used to have fucking bulging delts but you know you look pretty good right so people would be saying to you like oh you look great gary but the reason you look great was because you had depression, you know, which is probably not a great way to go about a, a body recomposition or body composition change in, in general. Um, but look, you're out of that, hopefully. Maybe you can update people on that. Um, but after that, once you started enjoying life more, you started enjoying food more. So you were back on the game train and that led us into this year.
0: Yeah, I definitely had a long period of, Just kind of not being interested in food and having pretty much, you know, no appetite, which makes dieting very easy, but it's not the way that you want dieting to be easy. Um, So generally, I do find fat loss relatively easy anyway, to be honest. I used to when I was younger, and it's actually changed quite a bit where now I'm the type of person where... I can very easily just kind of eat intuitively and just lose weight relatively rapidly. Like it's not something that I find difficult at all. Um, And then as a result, then when my mood was at its worst, that kind of led to a point where my appetite then just continued in that direction. For a lot of other people, it goes the opposite way. You know, when people experience depression, they often gain a lot of weight because it might be their sort of emotional crutch if you will or their way of trying to get some pleasure out of life by eating more food or eating more foods that you enjoy or whatever but for me I was just not particularly interested like you know it's more convenient to not eat was my view um but but anyway like it wasn't it wasn't that extreme in the sense I was rapidly losing weight or anything it was just almost like convenient for me to just stay much leaner for most of the the first half of 2021, for sure, just because my appetite wasn't great. As I began to come out of that and my appetite began to increase again, I started to try to um, increase my body weight. And I went up from maybe, I suppose I was high 70s up to like the high 80s, I think 89 or 90, I think it peaked around 90 kilos. And that would have been the first half of this year of 2022. So, you know, strength was going well. My jiu-jitsu was going really well. That was like my number one priority really was just, you know, getting fitter, getting stronger and improving my jiu-jitsu technically. And sort of like what you were saying, I kind of had the view that I want to be pretty much at or close to getting my purple belt by the end of the year. I was like, you know, I want to, I'd like to aim for the end of the year or before i finished medicine in april or may like that would be that's kind of was the goal all along it'd be nice to have my purple belt before i finished medicine then all was going well my jujitsu was actually improving very quickly from kind of april onwards in particular i hit a really good flow especially after i finished my exams things were going super well Um, and on that this is important to note as well like you were prioritizing your jujitsu
1: so you were getting four, five, six, sometimes even seven sessions yeah. per week in jiu-jitsu. And as a result of that, you were like, okay, I'm going to dial back my resistance training and my yes. other training, you know? Because people often think that, again, they, they're they not programming smartly with the actual goal in mind. Like, you still wanted to gain some weight. You still wanted to build some muscle. But that doesn't mean that you, you have to be in the gym six days per week, especially if you have other goals. Because I know you have a lot of clients and I have a lot of clients that have mixed goals goals shall we say where it's like oh i want to improve my sporting performance and i also want to improve my body composition but i also want to be fitter but i also want to look after my health in the future so you have all these different things and it's really important to be strategic with your training and your planning and go okay like you got to the stage where i really want to hammer the jiu-jitsu i really want to be getting better at that so the resistance training goes down to i remember you were doing like two maybe three resistance Sessions per week. It wasn't like you were going six resistance training sessions and six jujitsu sessions, which I think a lot of people think you need to do and then try to do
0: and then end up, you know, very sore. <laughs> Absolutely, and and that's a really good point because, like, this is something some people exploit, and I could easily exploit this. Where if I go onto my phone now, I can find videos of me, you know, deadlifting two hundred for ten reps running you know 30 plus kilometers um, competing in jiu-jitsu being super lean so like I can find you know these these snippets where I've been at my fittest I've been at my best in jiu-jitsu I've been at my leanest I've been at my strongest I've been at my most muscular etc but they're not all at the same time you know and I think that's sometimes the a misconception that people have about people who are hybrid athletes let's say they think that they're peaked in in all events at the same time which is really not the case because when i i last time i I deadlifted 200 for 10 just because that number was there that was maybe a year and a half yeah probably about a year and a half maybe two years ago and that just comes into my head because i was actually quite lean at that point in time but it was also during covid when i was training at home so i had less jiu-jitsu And at the time I had an injured ankle. So I also wasn't doing any running. And then when I was doing my best running, I wasn't doing as much jujitsu. And I was doing a little bit less lifting. So this is kind of how it goes for me, where I try to prioritize different things. And in the first half of this year, jujitsu was very much the number one um, priority for me. And like like you said, seven plus sessions a week wouldn't have been rare at all. But as a result, if I was lifting twice a week, maybe three times, that'd be a very good week. So that's the kind of way that I was approaching my training. As a result, my jiu jitsu was increasing and improving very, very quickly. And then I get injured. And that just kind of goes to show then you have to be able to be flexible because when I got injured, so ruptured the hamstrings, tore them off the bone, required surgical repair, spent time in a boot, spent time on crutches, etc., and a long post-operative rehab process from there on when that happened
1: go into that just because i know you have a a train of thought here but just to bring it back you like going back to the injury you had just finished for the year you know um, for the the semester so you were raring to go you were were like
0: raring to go
1: let's go this i've got a summer of training to do and again this is an important thing to bring up this is the only reason i'm interrupting you again although i do like interrupting you um the important thing to note is you had all this fatigue all this stress built up from exams from a whole semester in college from triage triage was like you know, the work we were doing at that time like it was quite intensive we had a lot going on Um, so you had all this other fatigue going on and i think you went for a hike up the the mountains was it yeah,
0: with a weighted vest
1: <laughs> with a weighted vest I'm brandon you, yeah you felt you felt the hamstring a little bit and then tell us the rest
0: Yeah. So like, I mean, I was already in a state where, you know, I was pro, I could have been primed for injury, let's say, and that my body wasn't entirely fresh. And then I was exposed to kind of like this isn't this isn't a classic example of an injury that you get from being too fatigued because normally what happens when people push too far is they get like an overuse injury if you will um so they might develop a tenonopathy or they might get like a, a bit of a, a small muscle strain or they'll have very severe dams that progresses to a muscle strain these types of things yeah, whereas
1: I, like oh i have a little niggle at my my yeah. elbow always at me my shoulder my knee that kind of stuff
0: they're the things that normally flare up whereas this is more like a, a kind of a chaotic or a traumatic injury in the sense that it was a you know, standing jiu-jitsu position, attempted kind of judo throw or trip, and just a really awkward fall where two of us fell on my leg in an awkward position. Now for me, when I when I look back at that time, I think it would have ruptured regardless. That of that hamstring wasn't being saved just by the sound of it, by the force, everything, it was gonna rupture. Um, but you know, could could it have been the case that might have been less severe if I wasn't already fatigued. I'll never know. Impossible to know. But it was probably a contributing factor for sure. All that fatigue leading up to that point in time. But, but also
1: one of those things where, like, if you
0: weren't fatigued, maybe
1: you would have been a little bit, a bit faster. Better
0: throw, better attempt. or
1: All those things where it's not even just the injury prevention. It's the actual, like, your ability to move. You know, you would have been, you, you would have, you know, done a, a crisp, perfect throw, you know without falling on your own hamstring and destroying yourself
0: <laughs> yeah and, and you can actually you can crush yourself thinking about injury in that way as well and i always tell my clients just not to break it down too much because even when i think back to that session um I, we were like what we were doing is we were doing um standing jujitsu which is effectively judo when you're in the gi and what i was what i was doing is i was standing with another guy roughly my size uh, roughly my weight and height and I went for one throw, which actually went super well. And he was about to, he was about to fall in the mat. It it would have been over effectively. But what happened was because with my, my back kick, I kicked someone else that was behind me. So then the coach said, oh, stop, stop, stop. Move over there now instead. And when I moved over there, the mat was slippy. I attempted it again. And that's fundamentally what led to injury. But when you start to think of it in that way, you could say, oh, but, had you stopped at the traffic lights um are not run through the orange light and you were there a bit later would you have been in a different position no point going through all that um i do think like analyzing why you got injured is important but don't drive yourself insane either so anyway don't, don't, don't dwell on it but yeah understand it. yeah try to understand that especially if there are modifiable factors going forward because some of those things aren't modifiable whereas you know, being excessively fatigued, maybe doing a bit too much, that that is something that's modifiable going forward. Being better so, at would also be modifiable for you. Would be modifiable. Unfortunately, it was less modifiable by being on one leg. So anyway, got injured. That was fine. That put me in a position, a really kind of weird position where I was after, I was kind of at my heaviest, more or less, as in I had gained a lot of weight. So it's a very weird position to be in because especially in like the kind of people who are training for general body composition, you your kind of thought is once you get to that peak weight, unless you're going to be able to continue gaining muscle and continue training hard, you probably want to diet down and get a little bit leaner. Where And that was actually my plan. I was going to do that during the summer. I think I might've even started it then. But the problem is I now had this injury that was a, quite a severe injury and required energy to be able to heal and everything. And I was like, do you know what? I don't think now is the time to start dieting and lose even more muscle, you know? So I was kind of in this weird place where I was more or less just maintaining for most of the summer, um, which can be a bit strange from like a, a body image or a physique perspective, because you're saying, oh, I'm not really getting bigger. I probably look a bit flatter because I'm not training as much. My legs already look smaller because they're getting atrophied. This is a weird position to be in. But my approach to it was very simple. It was What can I, what can I do? What can I do going forward? And I began, as we discussed in the last podcast, doing a bit more cardio, doing a bit more, you know, cycling when I was able again, just training my upper body, et cetera, and just focusing on other things. So I had my triage work, I had, you know, medicine to study. And that's kind of one of the protective factors in my case was that I was able to direct my attention to um, other areas of my life. And I think that some times when people get injured, if their whole identity is in whatever it is they got injured from, whether it be jujitsu or bodybuilding or powerlifting, they actually can end up very, very depressed by that because now their whole identity has been stripped from them and they're not able to do the one thing that contributed to a state of positive mental health or a sense of meaning in their life. So that's something you have to be careful of.
1: Just on that as well, and we see it a lot. And I know like Brian's doing a lot of the consultation calls at the moment, but when I was doing them, you'd see this a lot. You'd see people like who used to be athletes and they used to like see themselves as the athletic person. And now they're five years post, you know, whatever sport they were doing, and they've gained a lot of weight. And now they have this discordance between who they think they are, who they feel they are, who they believe themselves to be. But then they look in the mirror and they go, that's not the person looking back at me, you know. But it doesn't all it doesn't just happen with sports. It also happens with just, you know, the general public where. You know, you see yourself as looking a certain way, feeling a certain way, being a certain person, being able to do certain things like, oh, yeah, of course, I can just go for a hike. I can just do X, Y, Z. I'll, you know, go for a run or whatever. And then work gets in the way, family gets in the way, etc., etc. All these other barriers you wake up in five years time, you're looking in the mirror going, that's not the person that I see myself as. So your identity, like you do basically have an identity crisis where you're like, this is not. This is not who I should be. This is not who I saw myself as being. Like when I was thinking about what I'm going to look like or be like or who I'm going to be in the future. It's the future now. You look at yourself and you're like, "That's not me anymore." Like, wh- where did that person go? You know,
0: and that can be very difficult because you kind of have three options from there, and one of them is very difficult. The difficult one is you take the slow diligent committed steps to being the person that you were and the person that you think you are It's a very difficult thing to do because if you've lost all your dietary habits you've lost all your training habits when you step back into the gym you're comparing yourself against who you used to be the very difficult thing to do it's the right path but it's just a difficult one to walk the next option is to get to get quite depressed and down and to just kind of linger along and, and not really do anything about it and just feel miserable about up, basically yeah just give up that's the other that, option that, that happens
1: quite frequently and like obviously we're painting that in quite a negative light but that's what feels like the easiest option you're just like oh like i hate myself i hate this xyz whatever but i'm i don't i don't have the energy or i don't have the knowledge or i don't have whatever something preventing you from actually pre- like stopping That negativity, you know, it's very easy to just go, Well, I'll just continue doing what I'm currently doing because I'm already in the rhythm of it. I already have all these habits. Just crack on.
0: Absolutely. And then the third option is kind of in between, it's masking or diversion. So, this is where people, if they, if I have an identity crisis, let's say related to training and I'm now out of shape, what I do is I pretend I don't care. And I present my identity as something else. You know, I, I attach to another identity category. Maybe it's that now I'm, you know, Gary who just talks about, I don't know, Formula One all the time. That's what people, I want people to know me as the Formula One guy now because I, I don't want them to remember that I was the fitness guy because it hurts when I think of that. I don't want to reflect on that. So I wanted to identify as something else. That's something that happens in some select cases, but ultimately all of it comes back to the fact that if you've veered off the path, it's very difficult to get back on it, but you know it's worth it's worth doing. So um, that's, I guess, the the meta theme to extract from that. But overall, I think that's, that's kind of my training year more or less summarized in the sense that it was going really well, had great intentions. We had the injury. And since then, it's just been about rebuilding from there. So listen to the previous episode for more on that specifically. Obviously, the other big thing, um is is medicine you know alongside triage in the sense that my year is kind of force mapped out for me in the sense that I'm in my final year now just finished semester one and then heading into semester two my final semester um next in January so that kind of leaves me in a in a place where a lot of my year is almost like forced upon me so I have to try to fit goals in around that which is good and bad it's good in the sense that if I didn't achieve any of the goals I set myself, there's goals that are kind of being taken care of for me because I just have to do these assignments. I just have to do these exams. But it's also not great in the sense that you don't get to tick off the goals that actually might be important to you because you had to spend time on an assignment that you didn't really want to do instead of going to Jiu-Jitsu that evening. And that's just a a case of trade-offs really. So um, I think that summarizes most of my year from a training perspective anyway.
1: Yeah, and just, just to linger on that, trade-offs thing this is one of those things where a, a lot of people don't want to commit to a process mm-hmm. because of trade-offs like yeah i know there's loads of things that you want to study or that you want to create for triage or did you want to do with triage or other areas in your life like even like going on like hikes with me and other people or stuff like that you're like like i i can basically go whenever fuck i want because i've set up my life like that Whereas if I'm like, Gary, do you want to come on this? You're going like, that's actually, you know, I can't go that week. I have this going on. I have like whatever. And like, that's the case for a lot of people, obviously not uh, many people. Well, a lot more people are in the same position as me in this day and age, but not many people are in that position where they can just go, oh, I'll just take a a week out to go on this hike or this holiday or do whatever. Especially Um, once you have a family, you know. Yeah, especially when you're a family, that's why I'm doing it now. Like, I'm yeah. like, I know in the future, I want to have family. I can't just be like, well, sorry, see you later, you know, come back in two weeks, uh, <laughs> you know. So, like, uh, a lot of people aren't willing to play with those trade offs or accept those trade offs and they try to do everything at once or they just don't commit to the process. Like, it would be very easy for you to go, like, you don't need to do medicine, you don't like financially, you're probably going to be worse off yeah. doing medicine you know um so it's not for that it but you want to do it but also it prevents you from doing other things that you want to do even in this the study realm you know i know there's things where you're like like we were talking about where like oh you want to study a lot of this stuff and like i have a bit of knowledge and that kind of thing and you're like i wish i could just fucking go down these esoteric rabbit holes because that's what i do because I'm, I'm fucking weird you know where i'm like oh I'll just i actually am really interested in this let me get a book on this let me read a lot of papers on this thing let me just like map out my knowledge on this thing you know whereas you don't have the luxury of doing that because you're like you have to learn xyz because that's what's on the curriculum that's what's on the course and like that's good from the perspective of it, it gives you a really broad knowledge base where like if i'm reading i don't know fucking renal physiology i'm just gonna go this is is boring as fuck i have the general gist of it. i don't care about this fucking really random thing here whereas you have to know you have to do the deep dive you have to force yourself to go deep on this thing so there is trade-offs but there's also benefits
0: you know yeah and i think the problem is that people often want both you know i speak to a lot of people who just they just don't understand that concept of accepting those trade-offs and particularly you know people who are maybe they're they're in personal training already and they want to upskill maybe they're considering going back to do a degree in sports science or a master's or some sort of diploma to upskill and they're struggling with the point of but I'm going to lose the freedom I have in my life, but I'm going to have to accept the financial cost, And I won't be able to train as much, et cetera. Like that's, that's just part of, you know, growing up and, and realizing that, okay, I can't do everything. You can try, but you won't be able. So you have to be able to accept trade-offs, you know, and, and that people even say that to me, they'll say, Oh, how do you do everything, Gary? I wish you could just do everything. It's like, Uh, Well, well, I don't do everything in the sense that there are lots of things that I voluntarily don't do in terms of, you know, like when you're going on those hikes, I have to say, no, I actually can't do that. You know, when my girlfriend says, hey, Gary, can we can we go to the beach on Sunday for three hours? And sometimes I'm like, it's 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 harsh and it's not nice and I'd like it to be different. But I'm like, I don't have three hours like that's that's not something I have. So there's a lot of those trade offs that unfortunately i have to make so it's not the case that i'm doing everything and if you see the details of someone's life even though from the outside it looks like it's something you might want when you look at the things that they're trading off you might actually say actually that's not for me i like my sleep uh, i like taking time to cook my meals i like uh, being able to take my time in the gym and not rushing and and timing everything you know um and that's perfectly fine you know, some people want more leisure time, perfectly fine. And that's something that as we head into 2023 and you set your goals, you have to keep in mind. Because if you're not considering the trade-offs that occur as a byproduct of you committing to whatever goal you're committing to, you almost certainly will fail. Because the the pain of the trade-offs is often too much for people and they decide, actually, do you know what? That's not for me. I didn't realize I'd have to do this much. I didn't realize I couldn't eat that. I didn't realize that. I couldn't watch Netflix for 3 hours if I was going to the gym for 2 hours. And I think that's kind of where we start this conversation of of setting goals now for January.
1: Yeah, and this is important in, well in a lot of regards but especially when we think about planning out again our goals for 2023 there's going to be trade-offs but also that doesn't mean those trade-offs are going to exist forever like right now you yeah. have trade-offs yeah. you have those trade-offs where you're like right look i can't do this i can't do that i've got medicine i've got this i got whatever blah blah blah. but it's not always gonna be the case you know like you realistically if you wanted you could finish well let's say finish your intern year or however long it is you know you're like okay you're a fully fledged doctor you could stop no yeah. one's gonna say anything they're like All right, gary he's a he's a doctor you know and you can fully go fully in on triage You could actually have more life balance, et cetera, you know? Um, So it doesn't, like what you're doing now isn't always what you're going to be doing in the future. And the reason I bring that up is because, again, this is very applicable to stuff like fat loss, you know? Like you might have to do a lot of trade-offs for fat loss, you might have to go right for the next. It's going to take me sixteen weeks to lose the fat that I want to lose at a nice, you know, maintainable, sustainable rate. Right, so sixteen weeks. I'm going to have to trade off. I'm not going to be able to go to as many events, or I'm not going to be able to have the different foods that I really, really enjoy that are, you know, they're, they're quite calorific. That I, I can't really fit them into my diet. Maybe I can have some of it, but it, it just doesn't fit in as much as I would like to to fit in. Right, so. You have to accept those trade-offs to get the result that you want, the fat loss in this this case. But that doesn't mean that's what you're going to be doing to maintain that, you know? Like, the the trade-offs are, we'll call them time-sensitive. Some of them are longer. Some of them you're just going to have to accept, you know? But some of them are just time-dependent, I should say, where it's going to be that be the case like that for the next 16 weeks while you lose fat. But after that, you can go back to eating uh, a more calorie dense or more, you know, higher calorie diet. It doesn't mean that you're going to be stuck on, oh, I'm going to have to eat like chicken, broccoli and rice for the rest of my life. You know, like it, it doesn't have to be that way. You can still, you know, get results longer term without having to, you know, destroy yourself with these oh, oh these trade offs which are awful, you know. Um, and I think that's really important to understand because especially with something like fat loss, people very often shoot themselves in the foot because they're not willing to accept those trade-offs. So they end up in this kind of middle land where they're like, oh, well, Monday to Thursday, I'll accept the trade-offs. And then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I don't accept the trade-offs and I I binge eat and I overconsume." So they end up depriving themselves for four days per week, overeating for three days per week. So they get all of the negatives of dieting but none of the positives. They don't get the actual fat loss. They don't get the results that they want, you know? So if you're, if you're, if you're going to be accepting the trade-offs, you actually have to commit to that. And I think that would be one of my biggest tips for 2023. You need to commit, right? You need to actually sit down and commit to the process That obviously is much easier if you can trust the process and you know, the process is set up correctly. That's why we advocate for stuff like coaching, like the way we do coaching. I'm going to teach you how to do all this stuff and then you can fuck off. You know, like that's, that's my ideal client, you know, where someone comes to me to go, look, I want to learn how to do all this stuff. They stay with me for six months. They know how to do all this stuff. I never see them again. You know, they, they contact me in five years and they go, yeah, still doing all this stuff. Really happy with everything. I had one or two questions about X, Y, Z, but other than that, fantastic. You know, that's the ideal case. So obviously it's easier to commit to the process if you know the process is going to work, that you have it set up correctly, et cetera, et cetera, right? But regardless of that, you still need to actually commit. Don't half-ass this stuff because you just end up with shitter results. You end up with this, like, it's not like you get the best of both worlds. Very often you just get the worst of both worlds. You know, like, again, we'll use the fat loss example where you feel like you're really deprived Monday to Friday. You feel all the, you know, the dieting shitness because you probably have your calories set excessively low as well. Um, and then on the weekend, you overconsume and then you feel like shit, you're all bloated. Your, your digestion's all over the place. You know, your sleep is crap and you, you feel like crap. You feel all this guilt, shame, etc. right? So you, you're getting the worst of both worlds. You're not getting the best of both worlds. Whereas if you just committed you know, even if the, the diet was an excessively low calorie diet and it was, you know, it wasn't something that we would necessarily recommend, at least by the end of that, you know, four weeks on it, you'd be like, all right, okay, I've got a lot of fat loss, right? Whereas if you do the the shit all oh, half and half, I'll, I'll dip my toes in, very often doesn't lead to the best results. And while I'm, we're talking about fat loss here, for example, It also applies with other things, you know, such as study. Like I know a lot of personal trainers, coaches and whatever listen to this podcast. Don't half-ass it. Don't just be like, oh, like, yeah, I want to learn a bit more about like, let's just say, I don't know, biomechanics or something. And you just do this kind of half-ass like, oh, I'll just look at a few Instagram pages and I'll do this. Like if you want to learn about that stuff, commit to it. Buy a book on it. Do a fucking course, do whatever, you know, like actually commit to it, actually set aside time because you dragging out your your education on the topic over five years when you could have just done it in fucking whatever, 12 weeks, you know, like it doesn't make the process better. It actually makes it worse. Like you're better off just mastering that in the 12 weeks or however long it takes. Get it done. Like you're not going to actually master it, but you've actually committed to it. And then after that, let the knowledge trickle in right? Like you actually have to commit if you, if you want results in anything.
0: Would you agree with that, Gary? I absolutely would. And I think the, the best example there in terms of dragging it out is probably something like, you know, going back to the example of studying medicine. Would it be possible, like outside of the practical experience, of course, would it be possible for me to simply buy the medical books and go online and try to learn everything that I've learned in my medical degree? Myself? you know, at home in a totally self-led manner, of course it'd be possible, but it'd probably take me 30 years. <laughs> it's like it would take such a long time because I know that as soon as I get into the, the microbiology stuff, you know, I'm I'm probably going to half-ass it a bit and not that interested in it. Oh, and the immunology, oh, I'm not sure about that. What about gynecology? Oh, I'm not sure about that. All these different subjects that otherwise I would just end up half-assing because you have a deadline, you have a timeline, you have the tasks set out, it's specific. It's like here's here's the exam date. You need to know all this before then, make it happen. It's it's like everything's condensed, forced upon you, but as a result, huge trade-offs. If I was to do it myself, freedom. I'll study a little bit here, a little bit there, might write a little essay for myself, see what I think of that. You know, long, loads of freedom, but it's going to take me forever. Whereas in this case, it's condensed into this this little package that is intense it's like a it's like trying to swallow a fire hose you know the water just keeps coming the information just keeps coming but then it's done but there's huge trade offs along the way very similar when it comes to your fitness goals you can do one of these like immersive fat loss processes for the first 8 weeks of 2023 but there's going to be huge trade offs associated with that because you can bring your calories down to a 1, thousand, twelve hundred calories where you're basically eating protein, fruits and vegetables and very little else. And you can train one to two times a day every day and sleep eight to nine hours a night and do little else because you have no energy. You can do that and you will get ripped during that time. you lose a ton of body fat by huge trade-offs. You're not going to be able to eat out. You're probably not going to be able to drink any alcohol. You're going to have to be in the gym every single day, probably morning and evening. You're going to have to take this time to prepare your food. Huge trade-offs. So that's that's always the first point is understanding what exactly, not, not what you want, but what you're willing to let go of. Because often people think of where, where the end destination is and not the destinations that they're not going to be able to visit along the way if they want to get to that destination. And that's really important here. But as Paddy said as well, as you said, it's not like this forever in the sense that you accept these trade-offs in the short term so that you don't have to deal with them in the long term. In the fat loss context, as you were saying, you reduce your calories, you deal with a little bit of extra hunger, maybe a drop in energy levels, a little bit of restriction in your food choices. But you do that so that when you get to your level of body fat that you're happy with, now you bring your calories back up to maintenance and you no longer have to accept the same trade-offs. And now you have the benefit of being leaner, being more confident in your body, you know, being healthier, etc. So you don't have to deal with other trade-offs. So it's always these these questions of um, what what am I what am I trading off if I don't if I don't do this? And what am I trading off if I do do it? And what how does that manifest then long term? So as you view each goal that you set then. They're the classic framework that people use. um, And it, it's more applicable for some goals, less for others, but people will use a smart framework. And this is referred to as setting smart goals. And what that means is that they're specific, they're measurable, they're attainable, they're realistic, and there's a time frame associated with them. Is that right? Specific, yeah. measurable, attainable or achievable, realistic, which is kind of the same thing. And then the time associated with them. So, specific meaning that i'm not just saying i want to get fitter it's like what 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 does it mean to get fitter so you might say i want to get better at running but how can you make that measurable i want to get better at running a five kilometer uh five kilometer run and i want to do it in less than 30 minutes then a is it attainable is it achievable well it's uh it's achievable because I previously did it in thirty-five minutes, so I think that that's not too far away. That sounds reasonable to me. So, is it realistic? Let's ask the, Let's consider the time frame. Let's say it's twelve. It's twelve weeks. You're going to shave off your your five minutes off your five k time in in twelve weeks. Uh, maybe, but you might need a little bit longer. You know, there might be missed training sessions. There might be a little bit of ankle pain someday that you can't run. So, let's say sixteen weeks. Okay, so we're going to do. 5K run, less than 30 minutes, we're going to do that in 16 weeks time. Is that is that realistic? Yeah, that sounds realistic. Okay, So to see the difference there between I want to get fitter and I want to be able to run 5K in less than 30 minutes in 16 weeks time. So on this day, that's what I want to be able to do. Then it's much simpler to walk back then and say, how, how do I need to build a plan around that? So if I, for example, it might be that you think of things like, Well, if I need to be able to run five kilometers in thirty minutes, I need to be running six minutes per kilometer. So I'm going to start my training by running at a six thirty per kilometer pace um, for a longer distance or for the five k distance, and then for shorter runs, I'm going to do a slightly faster pace of five forty five or the six kilometer pace that I'm looking or six minute kilometer pace that I'm looking for, etc. etc. So what you do is you take the time frame. You, t- you take the components of the goal, like the pacing in that context, and you begin to break it down. Similarly, if you were setting a, a weight training goal, you might say that you're trying to squat 100 kilos for five reps in 12 weeks. And currently you're able to squat 100 kilos for one rep. Okay, you want to be able to do five. So you're trying to add four more reps over a 12 re- week period of time. You break that down and you say, what does that actually mean? It means that I might be wanting to do sets of, 80 to 90 kilos for sets of five in my training um, initially. And maybe I'll gradually add 2.5 kilos, 2.5 kilos every two or three weeks. And that would take me to the point where I'm doing hundred kilos by five reps in that 12 week period. So that's, that's always where you start in a fat loss context. It's again, very intuitive that you say to yourself, okay, it's specific. I want to lose fat. How much do you want to lose? I want to lose five kilos. What's the time frame? I want to lose five kilos in three months. That's 12 weeks. You break that down. What does that look like per week? About half a kilo of fat loss per week. Is that realistic? Yeah, that's pretty realistic. We we see that in a lot of our clients. So half a kilo per week um, for the 12 week period, six kilos of fat loss. And then what you do is you take that to your nutrition and say, what does that mean for my nutrition? Okay. It means I have to eat less. How will I know if I'm eating too much or too little? You check the scales each week and compare it to the specific goal that you've set. Okay. So you can take that framework, apply it to any goal that you're setting. And that will leave you in a much better position than just setting these vague goals of going to get fitter, going to get smarter, going to do better in my exams. You know, that doesn't mean enough.
1: Yeah. And then what I always like to do is I do this with a lot of my clients, well, pretty much all of them. Um, once you've done that, you're really clear on your goals. Then we start talking about the habits that you need to do yes, to actually achieve those goals, right? So it's great having a really clear picture. And that's the start. You always have to start with that clear picture. Because again, like I said, you can't just go, oh, uh, fat loss is the goal. Like, well, what does that mean? Like, are you going to be happy if you lose half a kilo? Is that it? You you got fat loss that was the goal we've accomplished it no you want to have a specific oh i want to lose five kilos or i want to fit into this dress size or whatever fuck it is right you need to be very specific in terms of the goals map them out cool but then we start going what does that actually look like in terms of what do i have to do on a day-to-day basis or a week-to-week basis to ensure that happens right oh i need to train four times per week okay so how am I going to make sure that that happens? What habits do I need to do each day or each week or whatever to ensure that I get those four training sessions in? Well, first of all, I'm going to have to actually, you know, get my calendar out and go, when am I going to do these? Oh, I can't do it after work. I have to pick up the kids or I have to do whatever. So I'm going to have to do it before work. Okay. How do we set up your habits to ensure that it happens? Are you able to get up with your alarm? You're not? Okay, well, we need to have like two alarms in. we need to, we need to overcome the barrier that's going to prevent you from doing the habits you need to do. You need to have your clothes prepared the night beforehand. You need to have your, your food prepared for the day the night beforehand or whatever it is, right? We actually need to really break it down and go, what are the exact habits that you need to engage in? Sometimes you can be a little bit vague in the habits. You can go, okay, well, I just need to ensure that I get to the gym four times per week, right? But if you start noticing that, okay, well, that was a good habit, that was a good kind of goal to have, but I'm not doing it. I'm not only getting there twice per week. You know, there's always something that pops up or whatever. Then we need to really dial in on the habits of, okay, well, what habits do we need to engage in to ensure that you're getting the four sessions? Because you know, you can get them, but it's, it's like, it's not unrealistic to get them, but you're falling down because, you know, you're doing stuff like, oh, I'm going to train after work. And then you come home from work and you have your dinner and then you're like, I'll just, I'll sit down for a while. I'll, I'll, I'll relax here and run to the TV. And then all of a sudden you notice it's nine o'clock and you're like, oh, it's going to take me half an hour to get to the gym. The gym closes at 10. I like, oh, just, I'm just going to fob it off for today. I'll do it tomorrow. Today was just a bit of a write-off, right? Like though your habits led to that happening. You know, like you could have gone to the gym, come home then for your dinner, or maybe gone, got your dinner, gone to the gym. And then, you know, after the gym, relaxed watch the tv done all that stuff you know so it's just the ordering of the habits that you're engaging in so we just need to again refine the actual habits and this is especially important with the diet like what are you doing to make sure that your diet is successful are you ensuring that you know you're getting enough fruit and veg at your meals so that you don't feel hungry like this is especially important for fat loss because people often say like oh I'm, i'm starving you know come lunchtime and i just overeat and you look at their the habits that they're engaging in in the morning you're like yeah look you had a bowl of cereal and some orange juice like yeah like of course you're going to be hungry by 11 with that kind of meal you know so what habits do we need to engage in well first of all we just need to set things up a bit more optimally let's have a little bit of fat at this meal let's have some more protein at this meal cool now you feel a little bit fuller right so again what habits do we need to engage in to ensure that you can get more protein, more fat at that meal. Oh, you need to actually have a protein shake, you know, have the protein powder in the shake ready. All you need to do is add some water to it. Like all those little things. Again, you can get really, really granular with the habits, right? Um, or you can be a bit more vague. This is the this is the the benefit of thinking in terms of habits. Like you have your specific goals, 100%, but then we can start going, okay, well, let's just start playing around with what habits we need to do, right? Um, and I find that that's a really helpful way to go about things because ultimately accomplishing your goals is just uh, the outcome of accomplishing your daily habits you know so if you set up your daily habits then you're going to accomplish your goals like if you want to learn a new language you go okay well i need to practice russian how are you going to do that well i'm going to set aside at least 20 minutes per day to do i don't know duolingo or something right and then on a weekly basis i'm going to do these lessons that i'm on this online course and i have this like workbook that i'm working through right so you set aside the time you're like okay daily this is what's happening weekly this is the checklist that needs to happen this is how i'm going to ensure that that happens oh like i struggle to do it on the weekend even though i have a bit more time like the family are up etc etc okay so that means that i just have to get up an hour earlier than everyone else is up on a saturday or a sunday and check it off just do it then so it's done for the for the day you know like again Think in terms of habits like, well, first of all, think in terms of specific goals and then break it down in terms of what are the specific habits that you need to do to ensure that happens. And then really just it's an iterative process of going, oh, well, I I know this is a habit that needs to be done, but the micro habits that lead to that habit being done need to be refined so that, that actually that habit actually starts happening. Like they they always use classic examples like, oh, make sure that you have your clothes ready. You know, make sure that you have if you're going for a run, make sure you have your your runners ready at the door or whatever. You know, like if you if you're changing, you're trying to get to the gym after work or whatever, it's like well, you're gonna have to bring clothes for it then. <laughs> you know, like small things like that, they're they're important to actually you know make a note of. So that you can eventually put them on autopilot. But if you never actually make a note of them, like some of them, you might be they might work. You might find find yourself in good
0: habits, but very often you don't. Absolutely, and I think that strikes an important point, which is one that we mentioned in last week's newsletter, and that's, I, I like I I think that in in ninety nine percent of cases, people should avoid the kind of blank canvas mindset, the idea that you go into the new year. A new person and you your past has no bearing on you because unfortunately, your past behaviors are probably the best predictor of your future behaviors. In that, like, if I want to know what your next month is going to look like, I'll just look at what you did last month. And it's probably going to be a pretty good guess. And I have one client currently, and I can I can think of a handful over the last few years who who had an almost like you know, like a come to Jesus moment where they just like genuinely like change their lives like overnight. They were like, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm changing things and totally changed as people. Handful of those people, but it's very, very rare. It's extremely rare that someone totally turns their life around and changes everything like all at once and is suddenly like a different person. It does happen. It definitely happens. And I've seen it many times. I'm sure you have too, but it's exceedingly rare what's more common is that people behave very much like they did previously particularly as it relates to things like their nutrition habits when they're when they're feeling lazy when they go to bed these types of things so you have to be honest with yourself when doing that so when you look into the new year and and decide on what habits you're going to take on board take on board those ones that are that overcome the barriers that have been most prohibitive in the past so for example you might be saying, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go to the gym seven times per week. I'm going to track my calories, etc." And you, you, you've you, got this list of fantastic habits. But the thing that might've been holding you back is that when you come home from work in the evening, you always get a little bit lazy, lie on the couch for a couple of hours. You don't cook your dinner. And then you end up snacking on ultra processed, hyper palatable foods that are always in the house, you know, that's something that you would could easily overlook. And it looks like from the outset, you're doing everything right. Well, you're getting up early, you're getting to bed on time, you're getting to the gym, you're tracking your calories, um, but you're not hitting your calories because of this one thing that you haven't addressed. So how could you input a habit there for when you come home from work um, or for when, you, when or how you prepare your dinner that would overcome that? And sometimes we don't like doing that because we might be a bit embarrassed sometimes. Um, I have that with clients. They might say, Gary, I know you might think this is silly, but I, I keep doing this or I keep not doing this. But you have to be honest with yourself and go in, not with the blank canvas mindset, but with an informed canvas, that you go in informed about what has led to slip-ups in the past and how might that inform the habits that you put in place for the year ahead. It does require a bit more reflection. It does require a bit more honesty and a bit more self-criticism in some cases, but it's actually what leads to the best um, outcomes long-term
1: hundred percent. And I think that's really important point that you brought in there where like a lot of this stuff, especially with habit based change models, like we're really just looking for pattern disruption. You know, mm-hmm. you do a certain thing, you do this thing as a result of that, you know, like I, I always use the example, I like, previously had a client when I was doing like in-person stuff who she would always Eat a load of biscuits in the evening, which is not uncommon. Like most people do that, right? Um. But she was trying for fat loss, but she just always found herself. You know, it was after she put the be- the kids to bed, so she was a bit stressed with them. You know, getting them washed, doing all the stuff. you know, trying to get them to bed and fucking messing around. They're not trying to sleep, whatever, right? So she was always a bit stressed at that point. And then she just well, sit down, have a cup of tea, and she'd have the cup of tea. But yeah, you know, a few biscuits. I want to have a few biscuits, but she'd end up eating like half a packet of biscuits or more happens very easily very easy right so we were like okay well this is a habit we could just i could just say well you just need to stick to your calories you know and like yeah technically yeah that's what we need to do but it's the habits that are leading to her not being able to stick to her calories so all we did was okay can we swap out the tea can we swap to something else maybe uh, a chamomile tea you know people like chamomile tea before bed right and doing that simple little habit was enough of a pattern disruption where she didn't associate chamomile tea with biscuits. So she just stopped eating the biscuits, (laughs) you know? And like, you might think, oh, that's just stupid, silly. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm the stuff that's, you know, I have to overcome or the issues that I'm trying to deal with here. There's not going to be a like a silly little habit trick that I can do that will fix it. And like, that might be the case. Well, very often it is the case that you can just disrupt the pattern that you're already in, disrupt the habit loop that you're in, bring in something that then diverts that habit loop to something that you actually want to do, you know? And it's it's always surprising how much of this stuff we just have on autopilot, which is what your habits are. They're just autopilot, right? Um, Like I came home yesterday uh, or when we we're recording this, I came home yesterday to, to Dublin and I was like, Oh, I want some jellies there. Cause my dad always has jellies on the, the side cabinet thing where he sits beside, Right. And I was like, oh, I'll just have a few jellies. I'm like, I don't eat jellies at home when I'm in, in London, you know, cause we just don't have them there. Right. But I was in that kind of habit of like, Oh, like I'm, I'm here at home. Like there's always a few jellies over there. I'll just you know, grab a few of them, you know? And that's just a habit, you know? So even though I haven't been doing that for a year, like I haven't been back in Dublin since fucking May or something, you know, I'm like, the habit is still there in my brain. The circuitry is still there in my brain, you know? So oftentimes, these habits, they are subconscious. But once you start recognizing them, and then you start bringing in these little, like, you know, habit breakers or pattern breakers, stuff becomes so much easier to accomplish. But the process of habit, based or habit change is actually incredibly hard, <laughs> you know? So it's not like it's just like, oh, yeah, this is just fucking... Perfect. Fix it all. Do this little habit change; it'll all be good, you know. But oftentimes, as well, it is a case of oh, it's just this one small habit, and everything's fixed then.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the hard part about communicating this. Sometimes is that it actually is quite personal. In that 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 same switch for the T, that mightn't work in a lot of cases. You know, it, it's very similar. Like the the other kind of classic PT suggestion the trainers always give is. If you're looking for something sweet at night, just have, you know, one scare of dark dark chocolate or the other one is a little bit of uh, Greek yogurt with some berries or something like that. Like, and I've, you know, had clients who have adopted little strategies like that at night, totally takes away their sweet craving. They love it. It works fantastically. Other clients, they're like, Yeah, they did nothing for me. It just gave me a little bit of a taste. And then I still went to the cupboard and had the digestives or had the hobnobs or whatever it happens to be. So you do have to individualize it and you have to be able to identify some of those those traits, those patterns, that circuitry in yourself. And it, it can actually be very granular in the sense that in some cases what can happen is like, for example, for me, I noticed that, and I've noticed this with some clients as well, that if I have a breakfast that is quite sweet, um and indulgent i'm primed for those types of foods then for the remainder of the day that it's difficult to switch from like the the kind of classic really indulgent uh, bowl of porridge with let's say peanut butter and maybe a bit of syrup or that type of thing one of these indulgent porridge bowls it's difficult to switch back from that a couple of hours later to like a meat and salad kind of job you know people often find that to be a difficult switch so even though you can look at your nutrition and say Oh, well, it's just calories at the end of the day. You have to ask yourself, how might my my habits, my behaviors, the things that I eat lead to it being just much easier to hit those calories in the first place? And for a long time, what I used to do, especially when I my I was much hungrier, when I was dieting hard and things like that, is that I might have a breakfast that maybe was a little bit less sweet so that I could save my, my sweet craving for the evening when I might want it a little bit more. And then I have the porridge in the evening and then I go to bed and I wake up and blah, blah, blah. So these little things, the, you have to identify them for yourself, not only what works well for you, but what doesn't work well for you and what's sabotaging you, like the biscuits in that case, or it could be the the croissants or muffins in the office. You know, very often that happens in an office environment. There's a classic one where people will find it really difficult to say no to the free um croissants, the free muffins, etc. that have been brought in for the office. But if you've had maybe just a little something that you brought in yourself or something else that can just. Take care of that need or something else that you do on your break as a ritual that can break that circuit, and again, very individual
1: 100%. Um, yeah, I don't know if we have anything else to, to say, Gary. Do you have anything else that you want to bring
0: up? I don't think so. I think, like, I think goal setting is actually pretty simple. I don't think it has to be too complicated. I think using that smart framework works well. I don't always use that with clients sometimes it's yeah. not necessary but in some cases it is and and especially for those clients who who sign up and they'll we'll ask about goals and they'll say i want to get a bit fitter and feel good in myself and i'm like okay but i want to make that more concrete even if it's just for the process i want it to be more concrete because if we if you can set a specific goal at least then you're saying tick 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 you're ticking all these boxes along the way and then suddenly you've achieved this goal of, do you know, I actually do feel pretty good these days. I didn't even notice. My energy is much better. My I'm fitting into my clothes better, et cetera. Whereas what, what can happen sometimes if you're really vague, uh, especially with fat loss is you wake up every morning, you look in the mirror and you say, ah, feck it, I don't look any different today. Ah, feck it, I still don't look any different. Whereas if you've got some other metrics along the way, some other goals, you're ticking those off. And then suddenly you look in the mirror one day and you're like, God, I see my abs for the first time. God, I haven't seen that line in my arm for ages. That's... This is a nice feeling. So do try to make them uh, in line with that SMART framework, if possible. Won't always be possible, but it's it's almost always a good start, in my opinion.
1: 100%. And I suppose the final thing is, which maybe we should have talked about in the review of our year and future planning, is how's triage work going? Like What, what do we have planned, Gary, and what did we do this year that was uh, maybe a bit different than what we've previously done?
0: Yeah, so this has been an interesting year. I think um, you know, we've got a, a solid team that became solidified this year, um, in that we're we're fairly complete in that we feel like we have most things covered from the perspective of if you're a client and you sign up with Triage, there's gonna be someone that can take care of you. You know, there might be a couple of little niches that we'd like to fill in future, but we've kind of achieved that first stage of our our business goal of just having like a, a solid, complete coaching team. And we've been working, improving the coaching service and that type of thing. So that's all been going really well. Now, the other part of triage, of course, is education. Like that's what we do here on the podcast. We put out a ton of free information between the podcast and YouTube and social media, our newsletter, etc. There's so much free stuff that we put out. And we always want to maintain that as a priority because we think that people being more educated is a good thing. It's empowering for them and it's empowering for the people in their lives that they help as well. So we think that's really powerful. And as part of that, we're moving towards trying to launch more, you know, educational courses that can help trainers or hopeful trainers and nutritionists upskill. So that's something that we started this year with the launch of our nutrition certification. So if you're interested in that, the, the details in the description, you can check those out. But we started with that and we'll have further courses in future. But that's fundamentally what we want to be able to do at Triage is to be able to give people free information that they can use and achieve their goals with just the information that we put out for free. We want to be able to help, you know, trainers and budding professionals in the sense that they're able to actually get certified and now help more people. And of course, we want to be able to help people personally in the sense of coaching them towards their health and fitness goals. So we feel like they're the biggest pillars, I think, of trying to make people fitter, healthier, better versions of themselves. And that's kind of where we're at at the moment in terms of taking care of that.
1: Yeah. And I know in 2023, we have a few goals related to education, a lot of stuff related to like free education. And we used to have a lot of articles on our website. We used to have a lot of like free information that we gave out. But we kind of transitioned away from that. um, But we're actually transitioning back to it. But I think we can do it much better this time around um, and there's you know in the first quarter of next year I know well hopefully at least like we're currently writing the content creating the content and um, I know we have planned a good few articles on the website and um, so if you have not familiarized can't even fucking speak familiarize yourself with our website do so now that would be a good idea because there's going to be a lot more content going up there over the next year well the next five years 50 years whatever and um, and then on top of that we do have planned a good few more courses we're just like we have this is the thing we have about fucking 10 courses that are like somewhat done maybe like we could finish that one off so we're kind of deciding on what the best course of action is for how do we proceed with that what's the way we can best serve the health and fitness industry you know Um, and obviously look we want to make money as well there's we're a business you know there's no two ways about it um but with the education content we really do want to emphasize that or provide i suppose the like free education because we weren't able to find this stuff when we were younger you know so i want to be able to go look you don't have any money you you can't do this whatever there's some barrier just go to our website there's free information there it's nuanced it's contextualized it's easy to understand there you go there's the topic that you want to learn about, there's free information there. And then in our like paid education content, we're basically teaching you how to coach that topic, you know, like, oh, how do I actually coach fat loss or how do I actually coach someone with these issues? You know, wh- whatever it is, you know, heart disease or something. It's like the education that you pay for is learning the, the secrets to actually coaching that information or actually helping someone else. Do that stuff, you know, whereas the free information, it's basically like, look, here, help yourself with this stuff, you know, um, at least that's the the kind of thought process and the goal at the moment. Um, but yes, right now, there's not as much content as we would like, but over the next while, that's going to slowly, slowly, slowly change. And then when we do this review next year, hopefully we're able to say, OK, here you go. Here's a you go to our website and you can be
0: pretty well looked after. Absolutely. So with that said, guys, um, I hope again that you all had a lovely Christmas. I hope you all have a lovely New Year. I think New Year's Eve is the Sunday, so Sunday. we'll be back again on New Year's Day.
1: going to ruin everyone's plans because they're like, oh, I'm going to start the first week in January. And the first week is just the day after New Year's. Over. People are going to be like, oh, I'm going to do dry January, 12 o'clock, New Year's. Yeah. They're going to be guzzling their champagne.
0: Guzzling your last drink. um. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll speak to you again on New Year's Day. If you'd like to inquire about coaching, obviously this is our busiest time of year. So we recommend applying ASAP. You can find the information about that in the description box below. And uh, we also have lots of free information, as we said. So make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, information below all of our social media as well and if you're a nutritionist or want wannabe nutritionist i should say uh, or personal trainer trying to upskill in nutrition you can join our nutrition cert as well below yeah and i would just like
1: to emphasize that this is our busiest time of year because yes. every single year what people do is oh i'll just wait till after christmas to even inquire and then they inquire and then they're like oh can i get started next week you know and what we do because I don't want to just take your money if we're not going to be able to help you. I'm like, well, we do have a, a refund policy. I still don't want it. Like, it's just an extra admin hassle for us. A load of that extra hassle for you where you inquire, you want to get started, and then you don't do a sales call because you're like, oh, I just want to get going. And we're not actually able to help you. And then we have to refund you. And then we have to go through all this process. So if you want to get booked in, get booked in sooner. Because we need to get you on a sales call. We need to actually talk to you. We need to actually see what's going on. Can we actually help you? If we can't help you, maybe we can point you in the direction of someone that can. Because every single year, what happens is people wait until the first week of January to even inquire. And then they're like, oh, I actually can't get a call booked until February. What do I do now? You know, like,
0: I'm I'm sorry, like we've been saying it for the last month, but (laughs) get yourself booked in as soon as possible. Absolutely. And like, personally, I'm pretty much full, like I don't really have many spaces available. So, you know, get involved, get involved quickly. So that's it, guys. Uh, We'll see you next week, next year.